0: is from the book of Jonah, chapter 2. If you are using a church Bible, the small print edition has it on page 928, and the large print edition has it on page 1,406. It's kind of in the middle of the minor prophets, so I'll just see if you've got a bit of space to find the place. We're going to be starting the last verse of chapter 1, which really belongs with chapter 2. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks very much, Kathy. Why don't we pray together with Jonah chapter 2, open before us. Father in heaven, as we come to This particular chapter of your word, we pray that you would help us stand in awe of your grace. And Lord, please remind us that as we watch you in action, we worship the same unchanging and gracious God today. Help us to not only see your grace in action in the life of Jonah, help us to see it at work in our lives Help us to appreciate your grace and help us to be forever changed by your grace, we pray. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. They're quite beautiful words, aren't they? Familiar words, maybe. Life-changing words, certainly. Words that were first written by John Newton over 200 years ago, but words that could quite easily have been written 2,800 years ago. From inside the belly of the great fish by Jonah himself as Jonah retells this wonderful story of the grace of God in his life. But before we come to chapter 2, before we look at this this grace in the life of Jonah, I want us to step back for a moment. And I want us to see where this smaller story of grace in chapter 2 fits in the bigger picture of God's grace and all that the Lord is doing in the life of this reluctant prophet. You may remember last week in Jonah chapter one, we looked at a man on the run. Yeah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. God says go. Jonah says no. And instead, he runs from the word of the Lord in the opposite direction. Jonah chapter 1 is about a man on the run from the word of the Lord. Now jump forward to chapter 3. Come with me in your Bibles. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. This time, verse 3. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. In chapter 3, we now see a man on a mission. This time God says, go, and Jonah says, yes, and off he goes to Nineveh. So the question is, what has changed? What has changed this reluctant, disobedient prophet from being a man on the run to being a man on the mission for the cause of God? And the answer... Chapter 2. Chapter 2, before us this morning, and the outrageous grace of God in the life of this prophet. As we'll see, Jonah is literally swallowed by the grace of God, and his life will never be the same again. Just two points for us this morning to consider in chapter 2. Firstly, the grave of Jonah And then secondly, where we'll spend the majority of our time this morning, the grace of God. You remember last week we left Jonah treading water somewhere in the middle of the Mediterranean. Have a look back at chapter 1, verse 15. You may remember the story. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. You remember God pursues this reluctant prophet, and he brings him to a halt with a great storm. Jonah has been found out. He's exposed by the drawing of lots and he's thrown overboard. And the moment Jonah hits the water, this great storm is stilled. The sailors are safe, but Jonah is anything but safe. And can you imagine Jonah's heart as he he watches this ship sail into the horizon and disappear? And all he is left with is his watery grave all around him. But then comes chapter 1, verse 17. Have a look down. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. It's a verse that's incurred much debate in recent years. Sort of. what do we make of the big fish in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17? Well, some sceptics have argued that this isn't a historical account at all. In fact, it's just a parable. (laughs) But the most ridiculous explanation I've heard is this. After the boat disappearing over the horizon, another boat actually came by, picked up Jonah, took him to the coast from where he'd left, where he spent three days and three nights in an inn called the Great Fish where he recovered before heading off on his journey to Nineveh. It's ridiculous. That ridiculous, it makes you giggle almost, doesn't it? But you see, any attempt to deny the historical reliability of Jonah 1, verse 17, misses the point altogether. This is a miraculous God event. Have a look down, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish. This is the Lord's doing. This verse is only a problem if our view of God is too small. Remember last week? How big? How big is your view of God? You see, if you've got a small, limited view of God, if God is limited in who he is (coughs) and what he can do, then inevitably you'll struggle with verses like this. In fact, you'll struggle with a lot of scripture, most notably the resurrection of the Lord Jesus from the dead. But if your view of God is right, if it is big, if it is biblical, if it is appropriate, if you understand God to be the sovereign creator and ruler of all things, then do you know what? Keeping a man alive for three days and three nights inside a big fish is a pretty easy day at the office for our God. It really is. This verse is only a problem if our view of God is small and limited. So we pick up the story as Jonah is now inside the belly of this great fish in chapter two. And we find Jonah praying and thanking God for his deliverance from this watery grave. Have a look down at verse 1 and verse 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. That little phrase there in verse 2, the realm of the dead, comes from a Hebrew word sheol, which literally means the grave. You see, Jonah was sinking to his death, and he could do nothing to save himself. And I don't know whether you've noticed the flow from the very beginning of chapter 1, verse 1. As Jonah runs from the word of the Lord, so his trajectory is a downward one. It is downward all the way. Have a look on the screen here. Chapter 1, verse 3 Jonah went down to Joppa. Chapter 1, verse 5 Jonah went down below deck. Chapter 2, verse 3 Jonah went down to the depths. And chapter 2, verse 6 Jonah sinks down to his grave and literally hits rock bottom, abandoned by God. So it seems. And banished from his sight. You see, this, friends, is where sin ultimately leads. When we run from the word of the Lord, it is a downward trajectory towards death, or as it's referred to in verse 6, the pit. And you see, this is a common theme, isn't it? Throughout scripture, have a look. Romans 6 verse 23 makes exactly the same point. For the wages of sin is death. When we run from the Lord, when we turn our back on the Lord, what we deserve, our rightful payment, it's why it's called a wage. The wages of sin is death. You see, what Jonah is experiencing here while he's in the waters isn't just A series of unfortunate circumstances. This is the judgment of God coming against Jonah's sin. Have a look at verse 3. Look at the language. This is God's doing. You, he's speaking to God. You hurled me into the depths. Into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Remember, it is the Lord that brings the storm. Yes, in chapter 1, verse 4, it is the Lord that exposes Jonah. He is the reason Jonah is thrown overboard. And the waves and the breakers are God's. This is God's judgment that is washing over Jonah. And you see, as we consider the predicament of Jonah before God intervenes in outrageous grace before he is swallowed by this great fish. We must remember too, that we belong in that same grave. We too have run from the Lord. And we too, without grace, will receive the wages of sin, which is death. But, but for the grace, the amazing grace of God and his wonderful compassion. Which brings us to our second point. The grave of Jonah. That's where Jonah takes himself as he runs from the Lord. Until we meet the grace of God in chapter 2. Have a look again at verse 2. In my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. God's response is a remarkable one, isn't it? For the whole of chapter 1, Jonah has run, he has run, he has run from the Lord, and he's resisted every little ounce of grace that God is seeking to give him. Now eventually, his life hits rock bottom, he is brought to his knees, he acknowledges he can do nothing, and he cries he cries out to the Lord, and the Lord hears him. The Lord wonderfully answers. Maybe we're sat here this morning, and we need reminding of that truth. That however reluctant we have been, however disobedient we have been, however far we have ran from the hands of God, God is still willing to listen. God's ear is still inclined towards his people and he is ready to answer his people. But you see, God's grace goes way beyond listening. He doesn't just listen, does he? He acts. Have a look at verse six. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Sin takes us down But God, in his grace, lifts people up. He doesn't just listen to the cries of his people, but he lifts his people up in sheer grace. And again, it's the same principle throughout Scripture. Come back to Romans 6, verse 23. (coughs) The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Imagine if there was no but in Jonah chapter 2, verse 6. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth barred me in forever, finish. That's it. That's the end of the book of Jonah. Apart from the grace of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift. Notice the contrast between the wage that is deserved, the gift that is freely given. The gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's the same thing for Jonah, isn't it? Jonah chapter 2, verse 6 is an Old Testament, Romans 6, verse 23. And you see, for Jonah, we're talking about a physical deliverance, right? Jonah was there in the middle of the Mediterranean and he's drowning, and God graciously and kindly delivers him through means of this wonderful provision. Of this huge fish. You see when we come to apply this passage today. When we think about the grace of God. And how he intervenes in people's lives. Of course God can and sometimes does intervene in a physical way. Sometimes he does save people from these immediate life-threatening situations. But the greater burden of scripture. What God is supremely working to is a spiritual deliverance. God is in the business of saving people, of delivering them from their sin and God's rightful judgment towards it. A salvation that comes ultimately through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why the New Testament draws a close parallel look between the prophet Jonah and the life of the Lord Jesus. Look what he says in chapter 12, verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Just as Jonah went down to the depths, so the Lord Jesus went down to the depths. Not to the depths of the sea, but to the depths of the cross. Jesus went to the lowest low imaginable and he bore our sin and wave after wave after wave of God's judgment came crashing over Jesus and he died in our place. You see, for Jonah, it was his sin that took him to his grave. But for the Lord Jesus, it was our sin. That took him to the grave it was our sin that held him there and just as jonah was brought up on the third day have a look at verse 10 of chapter 2 and the lord commanded the fish and vomited jonah onto dry land it's like his resurrection experience jonah emerges three days later but how much more remarkably for the lord jesus who walked out of the tomb on the third day, sin having been perfectly dealt with and the grave conquered forever. Death was smashed by the Lord Jesus as he emerged triumphant and victorious and glorious and risen from the grave. You see, grace came to Jonah by way of a huge fish. Grace comes to me and you through faith in a wonderful saviour the person of Jesus Christ. And as we begin to draw things to a close, I want to leave us with four aspects of grace to treasure that are visible in this story. Here's the first one. Grace is deep. Jonah went deep, right? He went down, he went down, he went down, and he went down. But the grace of God is deeper. However deep we go in our sin, however vile our offense, however long we have been running, there is no place that is too deep for the grace of God. As we sing in the song, our shame was deeper than the sea, but your grace is deeper still. Or the old hymn, here is love, vast as an ocean loving kindness as a flood when the prince of life for ransom shed for us his precious blood however deep we have gone in how our sin however far we have run however many times we have turned our back on the living God the grace of God is more than sufficient to cover our sin God's grace is deep. Secondly, God's grace restores. Have a look at verse four of chapter two. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. You see, grace cuts us off. (laughs) Sin, sorry, cuts us off. I couldn't make a bigger mistake. Sin cuts us off, right? Sin takes us away from God. But grace restores. Grace reunites. Grace reestablishes. Grace brings back together. For Jonah, that was looking again to the temple. That was the symbol of his relationship with God. For us, it is to walk through life hand in hand with the Lord Jesus, knowing his grace is perfectly sufficient to bring us back into a living relationship with the Lord. Grace is deep. Grace restores. Thirdly, grace transforms. Have a look at verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, sh- I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. Grace turns our hearts away from empty, useless idols that can never save and satisfy. And it turns our hearts Back to the one true living God who can perfectly save and satisfy forever. Grace transforms people who are cold and hard to the gospel into people who delight with shouts of grateful praise will praise the Lord Almighty. And of course, grace doesn't just change our thinking and our desires and what we love and what we are drawn to. It changes then our behaviors as well. As we'll see next week, grace takes hold of this reluctant prophet. And it transforms him from being a man on the run to being a man on a mission for God. Who is sold out for his course and for the salvation of the nations. And thirdly, Grace is all God. Have a look at the last words that Jonah speaks, praise, from inside the belly of the great fish. End of chapter end of verse nine. I will say this is a declaration, isn't it, before you get spat back out onto dry land I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Literally, salvation belongs to God. You see, when it comes to salvation, this is a quite remarkable yet liberating truth. I contribute nothing. Grace is all God. I bring nothing to the bartering table of salvation. God brings everything. He brings his son. He brings his life. He brings his death. He brings his resurrection. And he awakens our hearts to new life in Christ. How liberating is that? Because do you know what? If any part of my salvation belonged to me, then I'd have zero assurance in life. Because I can't rely on myself but I can rely and bank fully upon the grace of God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. I want to read to you a few words from a poem as I finish. And then Mark's going to pick up. The poem's going to come on the screen. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting availing. The Father, both thee and thy load will upbear. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Amen.